0: Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 192. You've got Chris and Brian, and today we are going to talk about our journey towards being able to do high speed application of surgical violence with long guns.
1: Yes, man, that sounds <laughs> fun when you say it like that. We're missing the only word missing is like kinetic. We need kinetic in there somewhere. Oh yeah, well, for way. kinetic problem solving hey, applications. Bingo! There we go. Awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even properly caffeinated yet and we're there already. So Uh, so we've gotten the new Adaptive Rifle book from Ben Steger and Joel Park, Um, trying to take some of the stuff from there and apply it to our own training. Um, The foundation of basically everything in Adaptive Rifle is working on your mount um, or the connection of the rifle um, to you, um, being how we hold it into the shoulder pocket so that the gun doesn't move around any more than it needs to, but at the same time, we're not putting in any extra um, application or any extra movement, no um, extra input that doesn't. Yeah, need, no, no extra input, yeah, no inefficient input, nothing more than you need. Uh, yeah, so we worked a whole bunch on that. Uh, we started with just shooting five round groups at twenty five yards, make sure everybody's gun is zeroed, just kind of get that baseline feel for how should the gun. Feel you know in the shoulder, you know where are we holding it? Uh-huh. Um, how are we standing so that we can help drive the rifle? Um, where our body weight's at um, using our legs. Um, let's talk about that. Yeah,
1: let's talk about that from the ground up. I mean, so feet <coughs> shoulder width apart, um, toes maybe even a little wider. Maybe even a little wider. Toes, you know, toes to heels, toes to middle of the foot, somewhere in that range wherever it's comfortable for you. Um, you know, whatever percentage of weight allows you to move on the balls of your feet. I'm not going to say 60%, 70%, because if you don't know what that feels like and you don't have four separate scales to put the front and back of your feet on, how do you know? Yeah. Uh, but the reality check should be that you can move forward, backward, lateral, in either direction, diagonal, in any direction you want to move yeah. in. Um, but it is an athletic stance that allows you to move, and if you need to, rapidly, and then also allows you to drop weight onto one leg or the other to turn, to kind of do that turret thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then also allows you to, you know, get that solid base so that your recoil, you know, if, if, if you're shooting a large enough caliber gun, in this case we're running ARs and 9mm and stuff like that, the recoil I don't think really should translate through beyond the waist um, for most of us with that type of gun, yeah. but, the, but the stance allows you to have that firm base so that your upper body can deal with the recoil, can deal with movement, tracking targets, target transition, etc. Um, and things of that nature from a stance perspective. So the rifle stance really hasn't changed much from how we talk about rifle stance. Hasn't changed from what we were doing to, you know, any modifications that the book brings to
0: this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. One of the things to keep in mind from uh, your upper body, you generally want your nose, at least your nose over your toes. Yes. If not, maybe even your shoulders over your toes. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just helps keep the, it gives Gives the rifle something extra that it has to push back on. Yes. To make you go off balance. Yeah,
1: it's just meat behind the gun. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um, moving up the body, um, you're maintaining whatever tension you need to maintain in your thorax to keep the gun pointed in your your shoulders and head, eyes and gun pointed where you need to point it. But not necessarily like doing an ab workout or something like that. You should be without. You should be flexible. I would think. In yep. this, from a from your thorax, when you get up to your upper body, to your shoulders, your chest, etc., this is where um, I think the rubber kind of meets the road because it's where the gun's actually touching you. You know, from a literal perspective, your support hand should be somewhere out on the forehand and dive in here at any time. But your if I'm saying this incorrectly, but your forehand should be your support hand should be out on the forehand. In such a position that it allows your elbow, the support hand, to angle significantly—60 um, degrees, 45 degrees. Yeah,
0: I'd say 30 60. to 30 to 40 degree, 30 not, to not degrees. Not a 90,
1: but but also not the like C clamp out by the front sight, ape hanger kind of thing either. Yeah,
0: if your arm if your <clears> supporting <throat> an arm is straight, uh, all of the work is being done on the deltoid. Which, mm-hmm. if you've ever done <clears throat> deltoid work with Free weights in the gym, uh, you can't pick up a whole lot of weight with your deltoid. Yeah, it's not that strong. Yeah. Uh, whereas if we have that bend in the elbow, um, now the bicep does all that work. Um, you can pick up a whole lot more weight with your bicep.
1: Yeah. So the conversation being, you're kind of you're kind of bringing your elbow, it, it almost straight down below the gun to pull the gun in tight. It's it's the it's the tensioning device. Um, Via the fore end of the gun to grab a hold of it and, and have enough bend in your elbow that you can provide good tension of the stock or the or the arm brace um, back into your shoulder pocket, um, you know, so that the gun's not moving around anymore and you control the gun generally with your support hand. Your Your primary, your strong hand, your trigger hand, your whatever you want to call it, has a hold of the grip of the gun, and in theory, is not giving any more input than it needs to run the trigger, and kind of like the pistol, where you're holding the pistol with your primary hand, but your support hand is crushing the gun to control it, your pistol should pretty much just be driving the trigger. Um, you know, holding on to firm handshake, hold nothing more than that, but the rest of it driving the trigger in the rifle, you may find that it's maybe necessary for even a little more finesse on the grip as you get to distance and more precise shots and stuff like that. Um, and you're a little more able to do that because you've got something else to hold on entirely that doesn't overlap that primary hand or that strong hand. Um, all you should be doing is driving the trigger pretty much with the other hand. Um, and then whatever manipulations with the safety, things of that nature. Is that, that,
0: yeah,
1: cool. Shoulder pocket. Let's talk about shoulder pockets. I think that I, I see guys, um, you know, and, and this is not picking on anybody. This is like that, that prior service thing. Um, you got dudes who run the, the guys that ran uh, fixed stock Marines, M16A2s, M16A4s, um, uh, you know, et cetera, um, that were running fixed stock guns will run the toe of the stock very, very high up on the shoulder um, and kind of use the cheek to hold it in place, kind of that traditional rifleman's pose. Um, this is not that. This is definitely more squared off to the target rather than bladed. And and so you're getting the the gun into the shoulder pocket. You're getting your cheek down under the gun kind of to hold the gun in place and get your eye, obviously, where it needs to be to see through the sights. And then along with that, you're kind of rolling that strong hand shoulder out around the butt of the gun to hold it to play, get in place, give it someplace to ride, and and going from there. Um, one of the things that I've heard Matt Pranka from X-Ray Alpha, I understand that's outside the book, but it's the same. But he thing. was
0: Matt so Pranka was <clears throat> instrumental in writing the book. Yeah, I mean Let's same it's the same yeah. place.
1: They're in the same space. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that he talks about is is that is the consistency of the grip, is the consistency of the mount with the rifle. They're analogous, handgun to, to rifle. Um, it is getting that consistent place. So a lot of this is going to be understanding where you're going to get the gun there consistently because a lot of guys will do up drills all day long with the toe of the stock touching their shoulder um and some of the stuff he teaches they teach from what they refer to as the hunt position which is basically you're pretty much on target you're just looking over your optic or looking over your sight but you're right there so um yeah think of think of
0: being the one man through the door for ctb Yeah. And that's where you're at for the hunt position.
1: Exactly. I mean, you know, and the reality check is um, nobody wants to hear this, but shit's going to get muzzled. That's just, the, that's part yeah. of the game, you know, the, where, where his world is a little more high stakes than mine. So if he's going through the door, sometimes you're going to point guns at people that don't need guns pointed at him. Um, that's why they train like they do at that level. Um, you know, safety's still on, you, you know, you, you're making a clear conscious decision to not fire or to fire depending on what's going on but the gun's up. You're you're doing work with the gun. But a lot of also, he'll if you watch some of the videos, he will also do this from port arms, from low ready, from different positions, and yeah. work on getting that gun into the shoulder pocket. And it doesn't look herky-jerky. He snaps the gun up, but it doesn't look like he snapped it up. It's very fluid, and it's very, 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 very consistent. Super efficient. Like your grip should be. Super efficient. So a big part of that, you know, we go back to When you're drawing the gun from the holster, that initial how you grab the pistol from the holster, where your hand ends up on it, where it comes to 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 index the second hand onto the gun, those things matter. Same thing with this. You're trying to be consistent about where where you're holding the gun, and then also where it's landing, and where how you're creating the shoulder pocket where it's landing within the shoulder pocket, and hopefully everything else below that supports it. But the fight may be dictated by somebody else to some extent. So you may be running while you're. Or, or moving while you're mounting yeah. the gun or coming to an abrupt stop so you can mount the gun and shoot. And so how you're mounting that gun and that practice mounting the gun matters because it may be a dynamic environment. We talked a lot with the handgun about coming into position with the gun up. Same thing with a rifle. You may be running with a rifle, balls to the wall, but if you're coming in to get set up, you, again, want to find that shoulder pocket. So it comes back to a reps conversation, yeah. which I think kind of popped up. For, well, for me, for sure, popped up Monday night as we were running some of these drills. So, having said all that, you know, basically you're using your support hand to get the gun in the shoulder pocket tight, and then everything else is wrapping around the gun and driving it. So, yep. with as little input as possible.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, cool. Yeah, one of the things with the cheek, we're not trying to add pressure with the cheek to nope. the stock, because uh, it's very hard to do, and do consistently. Uh, we just want to have the, the cheek, you know, a reference point um, so that we get our eye into the same place every time behind that site. Yeah, and the
1: other thing too, guys. This is kind of this is going to be where some of the stuff around sighting systems, mount height, and stuff like that come into the conversation. Now, um, you know, Stager and Park are, are guys that are they're doing competition stuff, but they're teaching guys that are not necessarily doing competition stuff. Um, and the same thing with with X Ray Alpha with Pranka. Um, you know some of these things when you figure out how to run. If you're if you're teaching guys or you're you're running knots, you're a professional and user. You use knots for work, something like that. You know that's going to be that traditional, like really driving that orbital bone down into the top of the gun, um, as if you're proned out on the 600 yard line for service rifle. It's a little bit different beast than that. So understand that. Um, it allows you a little more head mobility, a little more body mobility, and a little more ability to look. Through sighting systems with different tools, not just the Mark One Mod Zero eyeball. Yeah. So you know, so if you've got to adjust things to make that happen, adjust things to make that happen. So it's it's the part of it that doesn't seem that seems inflexible is the shoulder pocket and hammered it into the shoulder pocket. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Am I mount, saying that right? I'm, I'm asking. Yeah. You, the you, mount. You, the mount is everything.
0: Yeah. Um, if the mount is not good, um, you'll you can get away with shooting slow. Um, or and, uh, or a shot. Or a shot, you know, um, you like. There's no way to shoot long strings of fire very quickly if the mount's not good. Or, 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 or the, I, I think that back. You can shoot long strings of fire um, with the mount not good. It's yeah. just the bullets are going to go everywhere. Exactly. And and if you're trying to transition,
1: if your mount's not good, again, that's the basis. That's the foundation yeah. for the pivot. So if you're trying to transition and do things rapidly and precisely, efficiently, it this is the most efficient way to do it. That's why we're pushing it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I think that kind of works around talking about yeah. where you're going from the ground up to the gun. Yeah. Cool. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, as far as what we did uh, this last training event, uh, we shot five round groups at 25 yards, um, mainly to confirm zero, give everybody that baseline feel for what they think their mount is. Um, kept that, you know, we'd shoot five rounds, go check them, tape them. Ideas yep. put all five rounds. In the upper part of the A zone on a USPSA target, pursuit an even tighter group than that. Uh, I think everybody was successful in doing that. Uh, we then moved to the 20 yard line, um, and we shot the pr- practical accuracy drill okay. um, from the book. So this is shooting a six round string um, with pr- with reactive um, sighting. So we're reacting to the sight picture. Um, we were trying to shoot anywhere from like 0.25 to 0.4 splits, um, and this is where things started to get really interesting.
1: Yeah, and the, and bear in mind, you know, 0.25 to 0.40 splits with a rifle is not fast
0: until, except that, like everybody, the first time shot, I think like 0.6s or 0.7s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, until people realized, like, oh, point like 0.4 is actually a lot faster than I think it is. It's
1: fascinating you think it is, but I mean, you can you can burn it faster once you get used to running it, and if yeah. your mounts there. Um, because there were a couple guys, you know, you and a couple other guys were running, had to put the brakes on yep. to get up to threes and three fives. Um, and the shots weren't wild at two fives. Whereas for me, when I dropped down around three or two, five or three, I was, I was on target and I was, you know, upper thoracic or whatever, but not in that upper A zone where, you know, and you always kind of want to strive to be tighter than you're going to need to be. In the world, so that yeah. so that you're hopefully when you get there you can do what what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, so there's a mentality around that, but I mean, like I said, some of us some of us had to had to hit the gas and then really work on controlling it, and then and that's where you kind of explore the mount and kind of get a feel for whether or not things are working, which I think is the point of this drill. Uh, one aspect of that this is a this is a visual drill.
0: Yes,
1: you're watching your front sight, you're you're watching your, your optic, you're watching your dot, you're watching whatever. Um, and, you're, and you're trying to hold the gun in such a way that it's moving as little as possible, and at 20 yards, you know, you're, most of these are, you're staying pretty much in the upper A zone if you're, if you're running the gun properly, if it's a 9mm carbine or a, a 5.56223 five, carbine or AR pistol, yep. whatever. There's not enough recoil there to move you off the top of the target. And there's probably not enough recoil to move you there much out of the upper A zone, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing with the mount and how you're yeah. holding the gun. Um, and and you could really tell visually if you had your hand on the gun where you were supposed to and you were driving your elbow, and I don't know if driving your elbow down is part of this, so I'm reluctant to use that terminology, but I felt like if I had my elbow under the gun and was pulling the gun in tight, <clears throat> to me, I could see the front sight or the dot or whatever moving a lot less and the and the tracking was much more on a vertical plane rather than anything lateral, really, at all. Yep. And sometimes it was cyclical. If I had my elbow out, chicken wing, into the left, it was almost like I was moving in a circle around the target, and it showed. Yeah. Vers-
0: we say elbow. We're talking about the support side elbow. Support side elbow. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yep, yep. Yeah. And so, you know, the, so visually, this drill, it, as you're watching your front sight, it, it's – it's really one of those things where it's, 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 you're calling your shot, essentially. You're watching the front sight moving, and, and it, it got to a point toward the end of the night I could even tell if I was running the trigger before I was coming back down, necessarily, and I would know if my shots were high. Early on, I was everywhere, could see it because I've shot enough to see it, but this visually really allowed you an opportunity to kind of, okay, I know I'm doing everything right when the little bit of movement is almost purely vertical and stays where I want it, and then I also know that I'm driving the shots and doing the trigger at the right place because you can see it. Um, it, you know, this is not anything earth shatteringly different from what we've been doing. It's some minor modifications of that. I've always shot, I was always taught to shoot long guns with, you know, primary grip being support hand, try and give as little input at the trigger finger as possible. But this lets kind of gives you a way to see it over multiple shots. Whereas when you're zeroing the gun or confirming zero at 25 yards, if you were really paying attention, you were looking for where the shot broke. But I think we kind of check out a little bit and we don't watch the front sight or the yeah. dot after that. And that's important in this case for the next couple shots.
0: Again, because we're shooting them really fast.
1: Bingo. Yes. And so um. <laughs> this lets you see that. That's the beauty of this drill. Yeah. If, you're, if you if you want to pay attention and want to bear down on it, this lets you see what you're doing and gives you all the feedback you need to make a correction like a doubles drill with a pistol.
0: And we'll do we'll do doubles drill with uh, long ends here. Yep. pretty soon yeah um, the thing with so with practical accuracy we're basically we're painting the target with the optic or with the dot yep um, or your sights or whatever you know having that front the support side elbow pointed straight down really does help the gun track vertically yeah um, because we're able to consistently apply pressure um, when when that elbows pointed down and we can pull straight back into the shoulder um, the more that elbow rotates out to the side, the more that input into the gun comes into either a diagonal or to the side. Uh-huh. Um, one of our guys was shooting a mp fifteen twenty two, 22 uh, so 22LR gun um, with the Streamlight light on it, where he's pushing to the side, uh, and just that much was enough to push everything over three or four inches uh, consistently. So you know, applying pressure. Um, from the side will do interesting things, yep. uh, and it's a lot harder to control it and to be really consistent with it um, because now we're trying to pull back, and in that case, you know, pushing to the side at the same time, yeah, versus simply just pulling back.
1: And that's something to be aware of as you start running. You know, for us, this evolution um, happened to be in a low light environment, so we were running lights on the guns. And at some point, the, the the focus of running this drill was not to learn how to run the light. The focus of running the drill was learning how to drive the gun back into the shoulder and run the trigger hard um, and keep everything steady. Uh, so a, a number of us kind of were initially defaulting to, hey, let's run the light tactically, etc. And then it became for the drill, it's like, wait a minute, you know, let's not fight with this for the moment. Let's yeah. let's run the drill and take the light input out of it. So you're turning the light on running from there, just like you're shooting in daylight, essentially. Um, and to, to me, that sometimes that feels like cheating But in this case, that wasn't the intent. It wasn't a light drill. It was a shooting drill. So we went back to that. Toward the end of the night, as we got back into it, I started kind of trying to get the light on rapidly coming up, rather than just having it on and going on. Um, But those extra inputs are all things you need to be aware of and see what they do. Because you you know, if you run a light on your gun, you may be forced by SOP policy or your agency or your department or your unit or whatever to run a light in a certain fashion with a button in a certain place, whatever. Or the weapon system may not have space to put it where exactly where you want it to not have that kind of input and things of that nature. Those are all things to know. Um, You know, and I've heard guys say that, you know, once the shooting starts, the light stays on. Um, If you're running, if you are going white light. And so that may be part of the conversation, too. I I don't know. That's not my world. So I'm not going to give input there. But those little inputs matter. Um, So, you know, be cognizant of that and understand that those are all things you need to control because they're part of your world.
0: Yeah, um, one of the big takeaways from shooting this drill, I think we shot this drill, what, 12, a number 15 times? times. We yeah. shot this a whole lot. A lot. Uh, probably three times as much as I actually thought we were going to shoot it. Yeah. Uh, is to, to figure out where that support side hand needs to be yeah. to do the mount correctly, and then put your lights, lasers, pressure pads, yes, all that on the gun so it works with your mount versus trying to make your mount work with all that stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and we have some guys who are long wingspan, um, tall dudes running 16-inch guns and utilizing most of the gun, and and I think a couple of those guys are probably looking at making some changes now on where the vertical foregrip was or is going to be um, and moving some of that stuff around. Um, you know, you have to make that work for you within the system, so that's just part of the game, yeah. and that this was a great opportunity to get out and size that up and go, oh, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, then I need to readjust, yeah. so no biggie, part of the game. So yeah, yeah. What was next?
0: Um, from there, we went up to the ten yard line and we did ready up drills. So yep. um, on the beat, two rounds <clears throat> into the A zone of the target, uh-huh. um, ideally the upper A zone. Um, we were shooting the time standards for this. Um, okay, is under a second for two shots. Um, pretty good is under point eight, and then you're chasing the limits of what is possible, like right at about point six. Yeah. Um, there were several of us that got down to that 0.6 mark. Yeah. Um we could be there consistently. Um, everybody was chasing like about 0.78, 0.79. Yeah. Uh, so that, like right around point, 0.8. Um, so now we're going from. We're really. The trick to this to, to doing a ready up at 10 yards is we're shooting off the index. So we, the we know the mount's good. Yeah. Um, because the mount's good, as soon as we have a flash, of the site on the target we can get to work
1: hammer it yeah hammer it and go on yeah. so yeah um and again you know i think as 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 civilians you know most of us are fairly cautious about shot placement so we want to make sure that the rounds are going where they're supposed to and everybody the first couple attempts were that one second or that 103 or that whatever and then pushing it a little faster than that and a little faster than that and a little faster than that um and when you start looking at those part times that's purely you are adding up reaction and split times, yeah that's all you're doing. I mean this is you know that, so when you start looking at sixes and it sounds like if, if that sounds fast to you, um it is it's it quick is really it's spicy, fast. it's spicy, um, but nowhere near un- not not doable i mean even 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 those of us that were running more consistently in the sevens and eights um, still had a few of them where we pushed into the low sixes occasionally. Um, with with controlled hits, with you know things not going everywhere, um, but I mean I, I ran the first time I ran it, I ran heads, I ran all headshots.
0: Which is a totally different drill exactly. from the sighting's perspective.
1: Well, it it is from a perspective of you're going for a lot bigger, but if you look at the upper A zone versus the head, they're the exact same target. There's just no reference around it for a miss. They're the same size.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, um, like literally the upper you're still, half. So going, I, I would still say you're going from like a confirmation. Point five to like a confirmation. to
1: i I'll buy that. Uh, um, absolutely which makes
0: it a totally different drill.
1: Absolutely. So and that's what I did, and I still I still was right around one on the slowest yeah. ones, even getting better confirmation, and then and then went back to the middle of the target and was able to drop into those eights, no problem. So yeah, yeah, uh, interesting drill too because. You know, the idea, you know, I know there's guys out there going go, oh, you don't want to just shoot two and assess." Okay, I get it. It's not a pot. It's just a drill. Um, but it gives you a good reference point for how quickly you can get good rounds on meat. Um, you know, from the yeah. low ready.
0: So. And, you know, the mount has to be consistent and sustained enough to get the second shot off. Yep. Uh, without that second shot just going somewhere on the target. Yep. Yes.
1: Uh, second shot. Predictive? Totally predictive. Yes.
0: Yeah, we're we're chasing. Yep. So in yep. this, yeah, you know, when because this is basically shooting like one, one part of a double drill. Yep. At ten yards, um, you're chasing teeny bopper splits with the second yep. shot. Yes. Um, yeah, and, and again, it's, imminently it's doable.
1: Fast. Imminently doable, but if the mount's not there, the rest of it's not going to follow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh,
0: this is definitely a drill I would recommend dry firing a lot. Uh, because it's the only way to get comfortable. If, you, if you're if you chasing the times, um, trying to chase the times at the range, um, yeah, hopefully you got your money, your crypto money out of FTX because it's the only way <laughs> you're going to be able to afford that yeah. much ammo. Yeah. Um, you really want to, to get comfortable on the spicy times um, doing it dry fire. Yeah. Because um, it is, yeah, it is really fast. Yep.
1: Yeah. So, but again, I think doable with, with some work. Yeah. So um, the weapon system managed a little bit too. Um, you know, depending on how your gun's set up, uh, we most of the guys are running suppressed. Um, you, you know, different different setups, different grips, different this, different calibers, different whatever. Um, it seemed like the you know this is where you get getting into like a full sixteen inch gun with a can on it. Get, can get a little bit burdensome because you're snapping the gun up and there's some, some wobble movement there yeah. just because of inertia and stuff like that. Um, but even even the guys running longer guns were still able to get those numbers. So sitting back and going, you know, oh, well, I'm running this type of gun, so I'm not going to be able to do that. Nah, not true. Totally doable. Yeah. Totally
0: doable. Um, all, this, all the times in the book where, um, when Stager and Park set it stuff up, did it with arrow, just like plain Jane arrow guns with AT flash hiders. Yeah. Um, so there, it's not, this isn't a, oh, I need this crazy big, you know, competition muzzle yeah. brake Yeah. and all this other stuff. Like, yeah, I don't need whole, a Ferrari. You can, yeah. Yeah. The whole idea yeah. is that you can do this with a duty or patrol rifle style setup. Yeah. Uh, or a normal, you know, normal home defense setup.
1: Yeah. You can do this with an F-150. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So very cool. Um, The takeaways on that, where I think that a lot of guys figured out they could actually move and hit faster than they realized. Because we haven't done rifle stuff in a long time. And I think everybody was a little bit like, oh, low light. And again, when we kind of said, hey, take the light out of it. On this one, um, were you running? I know a couple of the runs, you were running the light from the beep. You didn't have the light on ahead of time. I I did after the first one or two. I turned it off and was running the light on the beep as well. Um, You know some of those things you know that's there's a visual aspect of that as well. yeah, I think the,
0: the first string through, I just turned the light on and ran it yeah because um, I wanted to strictly work on the yep like run this like I was doing it in daylight yeah and then well subsequently confirm,
1: confirm what you've been dry firing yeah,
0: yeah yeah, absolutely yeah, and then subsequently went to you know, we're gonna start this in the dark and yeah. then turn light on on the beat yeah um, and it didn't change anything no
1: well, and the other thing that we saw, um, we had really good starlight, not a lot of moonlight, but we had a ton of starlight crystal, crystal clear night, uh, no nods, no, no assistive night devices other than white light. Um, there were a couple times where guys come up and you could see the outlines of the targets, you know, would you, would you been able to discern whether it was a shoot or no shoot? No, but you could see the outlines of the targets. And there were a couple of times where guys come up and the light they just missed the button, something and took the shots. And in general, if they had the mount down, the bullets went where they were supposed to, and it didn't really matter. Yeah. Um, if they didn't, then they went wherever the hell they were going to go, um, you know. And there, there was a there was at least one lumberjack in the group who was, I think, struggling with gear, um, who who probably owes Steve some two by twos. So yeah. we'll have that conversation. So he's now been nicknamed a lumberjack or Paul <laughs> Bunyan. Take your pick. So, but that's you know again part of the game: learning your gear, learning what works and what doesn't, um, and, and we're pushing through that. But yeah, I think. Most people were able to go off that mount, that index, and probably could have made those shots damn near blind at that point. Yeah, because of the reps. So yeah.
0: Yep. Um, one of the one of the takeaways with the strong hand, the firing hand grip, uh, it needs to be relaxed enough to run the trigger really, really fast. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of guys, because uh, we were when we were doing the practical accuracy, our what we were looking for was the splits between shots, and if the the Shot sounded. The cadence sounded good. It sounded like a metronome. Yep. Um, if it didn't, it was it was like bang bang, bang 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 bang. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was probably too much input with the strong side hand, uh-huh. uh, so they couldn't actually relax the hand and run the trigger really fast. Uh, and I'm going to throw on the pistol. And I'm going to throw uh, an and. Or, yeah, I'll
1: throw an and or on that.
0: Can happen on the rifle too.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that that oddball input. Is to some extent undisciplined. It's not doing the dry fire. It's not getting the reps in. Uh, whether it's handgun or, or rifle, um, you know, it's in and, and Mia culpa. By the way, not pointing. I'm yeah. pointing. The fingers are all pointing back at me right now on that one because I had a few of those runs that were real just herky jerky, and then a few of them that were just pop 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 kind of boring. And those were the ones that you knew you did it right, almost almost exclusively. Yeah. Those were the ones that you knew you did it right. So if you were trying to force it, I think some of that on the Drill from twenty or twenty, or drill from twenty yards, because you were tracking the sight. If you weren't managing the gun properly, you couldn't get the metronome effect on it. Whereas, as soon as you started managing the the support hand, drive on the gun, the mount on the gun, yeah. the index was there for you to be a metronome. Um, and we have some guys who do that setup really well, and and it was it was kind of cool to listen because the splits were like ridiculously metronomic. They were just you know right on right on cadence. So pretty yeah. cool, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Good, sorry
0: say if you're going do um, try to do this stuff on your own um, you really do want a shot timer where you can see all of your splits yep um, that information is invaluable yes. um in this case
1: yeah it's not raw time on the drill honestly that matters in this it's it's what's happening between each press yep. um, some other thing uh, another thing to point out too um, you know we talk about you know going out and doing some of this training stuff we're fortunate that we have a group of guys um, you know and it, you know and especially you pushing through a lot of this stuff out of these books. Uh, but there's this reality check that this this was two drills, and a lot of reps. Yeah. And when you start following Pranka and and the and Park and these guys uh, and Stager, um, a, a lot of what they're doing, they, they have certain things they do a lot of. Pranka does a lot of doubles drills. Um, you know, there's certain some of these things you don't have to go out and necessarily have like this whole day with this whole progression of 13 different things planned that you're going to do to work your way through, you're going out and you are picking a hard skill and beating the living shit out of it for the day, or for a couple hours, or honestly, for a 15-minute dry fire session, um, yeah. you know, so that's all you're doing is beating the crap. If you can get more and you've got more time, that's awesome, but beat the crap out of that hard skill, and that's what this was, it felt like. It was a yeah. lot of good reps, which drove things to where we wanted them to be, so... It was good yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah. As far as the amount really is the foundation to doing everything else with the rifle well. Yep. Yes. Uh, so it's a skill that honestly can't be too overdeveloped.
1: I would agree. I would absolutely agree. You know, primary hard skill to make things work.
0: So, yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. Again, all this is out of the new adaptive rifle book. Um, you can get it on Amazon or get it from Ben Sager Pro Shop. Um, if you do things with rifles for a living and you don't have this book, you are wrong. Yeah. Um, you yeah. need to fix this. Yeah. Uh, if you teach people how to do things with rifles and you don't have conversational fluency in the topics, and the concepts, in the front of this book, um, you are a dinosaur and you are no longer relevant.
1: Yep. And the, unfortunately, <coughs> um, the people you're training are behind the curve because of it. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know the, the fundamentals are the fundamentals, uh, but the world is a dynamic place. Yep. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. on that note, uh, as we come across cool, interesting things like Adaptive Rifle, we try to post them up on our social media. Uh, you can follow us along on Facebook and Instagrams as long as Meta stays in business and aren't commie bastards. Hmm. Uh, Good luck. <laughs> yeah, on Facebook, we're Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, we're Cap City Outfitters, too. Uh, you, on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer, how to purchase a suppressor from our storefront over at silencershop.com. Uh, also, you can sign up for our email newsletter that comes out once a week, or send us an email to info at uh, We're here in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. We're in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Grill. Uh, we are here Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, um, Saturday, 10 to 3. Uh, we do have our upcoming end of the year post-Christmas vacation. Uh, So do check the website um, through December and whatnot. Make sure we haven't changed anything due to holiday hours and whatnot. Essentially
1: the week between Christmas and New Year's, we're going to be gone. Yeah. So, yep, yep, be be aware of that. That is
0: your advance notice warning on that. Uh, Yeah, we look forward to seeing you soon and hope you have a great day. Thanks for
1: tuning in, guys.